Hey everyone, and welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to, I believe this is episode 50, or 83 of Skill Building Sunday, which is a podcast started on Sunday, September 25th at 1 p.m. I am your host, Jason Leeser. Uh, if this is working for you, please let us know in the comments uh, and in the chat area. Make sure that I'm not, you know, talking to myself the whole time. Um, and welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are encouraged to join in these live streams, real-world events, to share and inspire, and ultimately create better art and tattoos together. We beam out nearly every day, and with your help, have evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You can find us on both the app stores, the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. You can also find us on YouTube at the Reinventing the Tattoo channel. We have a Roku channel where we're constantly streaming 12 to 15 different shows at any given time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also find our podcast in all the major places such as Apple and Spotify. No matter where you're watching or listening in from, you can always get the latest and greatest information as well as a live schedule for all of the upcoming events coming to you, all available at www.reinventingthetattoo.com. You can even try it out for free. They've got sample webinars. They've got uh, small samples from the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon. Uh, they've got some free advice from Guy, uh, as well as a comprehensive tattoo history course from Jay Brown. Um, so go check it out. Once again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com. Once again, if this is working for you, please, you know, drop us a comment, uh, give us a, a like or a thumbs up, uh, and tag a friend who loves tattoos. You know, maybe it's an enthusiast, maybe it's someone that you know that's trying to get into the tattoo industry. Um, we try, you know, to invite everyone and be a welcome environment for everyone to join us. We've got a number of weekly staple shows that we always encourage people to tune into, starting on Sundays at 1 p.m. with me, Jason Leeser, uh, for the Skill Building Sunday Drawing Group. That's followed on Mondays with a list of shows, so bear with me here. Mondays at 9 a.m., we have Drawing for Tattooers with James Wisdom, uh, where we go through and discuss basic drawing techniques and strategies. It's very, very helpful, very useful. I try to jump into it as often as I can. Mondays at 11 a.m., we have the Tattoo Weekly, hosted by Lauren Gregory, Jake Meeks, and Gabe Ripley. Mondays at 5 p.m., we have Let's Talk About Feelings with Robbie Ripple. Uh, and Mondays at 9 p.m., we have a Reinventing the Tattoo Canon subscribers exclusive drawing group where we all meet up and we get to work on different parts of the Canon. That's every Monday night at, at 9 p.m. I can tell you this right now, if you don't have a subscription, to the Reinventing the Tattoo Canon or the Reinventing the Tattoo Evolution course. These Monday night exercises are worth it alone. Um, I was really skeptical when I first got my subscription. I was like, all right, let's try it out. The Monday night classes are amazing. Highly recommend you check those out. Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m., we have another live drawing group with Ricardo Certivant. Um, That's the Tuesday Feels drawing group. Wednesdays at 1 p.m., we have the Tattoo Now Show, where we go through and discuss some more of the business aspects in tattooing. Thursdays at 6 
p.m. We have the Tattoo Collecting 101 podcast with Fawn Baker and Kyle. Um, and yeah, and that caps it off for us for now. Uh, we've got a couple of sponsors I'd like to thank, people that help make this happen. So I'm going to go through and let's talk about them for just a minute. Starting off with Raw Pigments, an ink company that's tapping into the source, rawpigments.co. Uh, these are acrylic-free, vegan-friendly, uh, powder-based pigments. They saturate the skin super well. Highly recommend you check them out. Uh, I don't know if I've touched a color from another company since I started trying these out. They're absolutely incredible. Give them a go. I don't think you will be disappointed at all. Next, we have worldtattooevents.com, the largest, most comprehensive resource for tattoo events worldwide. And they're constantly keeping their schedules up to date because as we know, living in this post-pandemic world, everything is still getting rescheduled like crazy. So for the latest and greatest, most up-to-date convention and tattoo event information coming to a town or a city that you want to visit, take a look at worldtattooevents.com. DLIES Pro, also known as Dermalize in the rest of the world. Thank you, international copyright laws. Protect your art. Um, if you're still using plastic wrap to wrap your tattoos after you're done with them, maybe it's time to step your game up a little bit. Take a look at DLIES Pro. It was designed by wound care specialists, specifically designed to help heal tattoos. Take a look. Um, highly recommend it. I use it all the time. It's absolutely great stuff. Uh, that's DLIES Pro. And then TattooNow.com, technology for tattooers. The leading edge in professional development, management, and digital tools for tattooers of all levels. Uh, they've got plenty of competitive CRM. They've got mailing lists. They've got custom software out now for your specific tattoo studio. So if you're trying to stay on the cutting edge of tattoo technology, this is where you would go to do it. Take a look at TattooNow.com. And of course, this wouldn't be reinventing the tattoo without a very special personal and professional thank you to Guy Aitchison. Um, Guy, thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you have done for not just me, but the tattoo industry in general. Uh, he is the founder and inspiration behind Reinventing the Tattoo. Go to GuyHison.com where you can pick up a copy of his Biomech Encyclopedia, some of his DVDs. He's got some custom tattoo coil machines for sale. He's got some uh, original oil paintings, countless prints, and a whole lot more, all available at GuyHison.com. Would also like to go through and say a very quick thank you to two of our affiliates, the Apprenticeship Diaries with Amy Nichols. So if you're just looking to get into tattooing and you're not sure where to start, take a look at the Apprenticeship Diaries. Or if you are already a tattoo artist and you're looking for an additional source of information, take a look at Fireside Tattoo Network with Jake Meeks. Um, lots of great content on there as well. We always ask that you post positive reviews on these channels. If you like today's show, if you like the content, go through, hit that like and subscribe button. Let us know. Leave a comment. Um, let us know if there's something you want us to discuss moving forward. We'll be happy to do so. As well, if you would like to host a Reinventing the Tattoo event or become a sponsor of our community, 
or maybe you're looking for critique, either art or tattoo, you can always email management at reinventingthetattoo.com and we will get back to you as soon as we can. And welcome to today's show. And a very special thank you to uh, Kate, who I've been talking to about different types of art and stuff like that lately. Um, Kate, thank you very much. And let's get moving. So we've got a couple people already with us today. We've got um, Amber's with us, Ricardo's with us. And my cat's going crazy on the curtains. Gotta love it. She always comes in at the worst times. How's it going, everyone on YouTube? How's it going, everyone on Facebook? The Book of Face. Yay. Facebook is just shouting out all your favorite things to a live studio audience. Yeah. Look at Ricardo. Ricardo's going to be tech. Oh, Ricardo's working on a big old rib piece today. Ooh. I'm glad I'm not getting my ribs tattooed today. And Ricardo, you know what I'm going to say, right? Could you rotate your, your camera so that we can get landscape? I'm sorry, dude. I just made you take your gloves off. Okay. There we go. Nice. And I'm dropping shit now too. Thanks. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I'm totally throwing you off your game. Oh, you're good, man. You're good. Dude, that is a monster rib panel. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Big old chief headdress and a skull, dude. It's going to be awesome. Sitting like a rock. Well, I mean, he's got gentle Ricardo tattooing him, so... You are a gentle human being, my friend. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear me or not. We can. Ooh, reminds me of getting my ribs done. Yeah, I haven't gotten my ribs done yet. There's a plan in place. Just haven't done it yet. So I don't know about everyone here. Um, I am a huge advocate of, I go into what I like to call sensory deprivation mode, where essentially I like to go through and um, block out like all external sound. Um, I usually put something over my eyes, uh, kind of cover my eyes a bit. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to go through and like block everything else out and then just focus on my breathing what I find is that that usually helps me, you know, get into like some type of like a Zen state um, and yeah. really helps the time go by and really helps me just tune out all the pain. Um, that's my, that's what I usually do. Tends to work pretty well. Um, I had one person think I was dead at one point in time. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they actually came over and checked on me. They were like, oh, we just wanted to make sure you were still breathing. It's like, yeah, yeah, I am, but thanks. Thanks for getting me out of that zone that I was in. Yeah, I do kind of the same thing, but I add music because I have attention deficit. So anything in the room that happens, I will immediately focus on and my, I can't help it. But if I have my headphones in and I have on a good playlist and my mask 
rest and I'm focusing on my breathing, then I can just focus on the music and my breathing. And I tend to forget about the pain. So one thing I've noticed, and this may help some of you out there as well, is that when it comes down to music that you listen to while you're getting tattooed, try this the next time you get tattooed. Maybe it'll work for you. Maybe it won't. Who knows? Um, but give it a shot anyway and just give it a try. What I've found is that if I listen to music without any lyrics, um, I, can, it, I tend to zone out far better than if yeah. I were to go through and listen to something that does have lyrics. And it doesn't matter what it is. Could just be like ambient sounds thrown like a YouTube, uh, four-hour-long YouTube video, whatever. Yeah, or um, the musical score to Harry Potter, whatever you want. It it doesn't matter. I mean, it could be electronica, it could be you know symphonic, could be opera, anything where you're not going to be focused on what's being said, and it really helps you just, especially something slower, like low tempo. That's yeah. really going to help you achieve that state where you can sit back and just get tattooed for hours. I either go that route or I go the complete opposite route. And um, I'll go through and I'll ask whoever's tattooing me a thousand questions. Like, why are you using that black over every other black on the market? Why, why that color brand? Uh, what, what taper are those? Is that a seven mag, a nine mag? I'm like that client who's like asking everything because when I was coming up in the tattoo world, the standard philosophy was it, the best way to learn how to tattoo is to get tattooed. Yeah. I love to watch myself get tattooed and not by just like anyone, like find those artists that you really, really, really admire, save your money and get tattooed by them. Cause then you have dedicated time to learn what they know. Yeah. Life hack. Well, more like career hack. But. Yeah. Like I'm still, I'm still waiting for my appointment with Ricardo. Um, the last time I talked to him, he said he was booked till 2037. <laughs> and he was doing that. hand poke only. That's why he's booked until 2037. Because the poke takes forever. I just think he doesn't want to tattoo me. Oh, man, come on down. Let's do it. All right. Maybe I'll have you tattoo my head or something. That'd be awesome. Ow. Chandler just looked over like, is that dude serious? He's going to make a joke about it, but. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know what joke you were going to make, man. Yeah, Ricardo's down to tattoo you as long as he can hide at least three dicks in that. Well, I would expect nothing less from him. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, at least three. Yeah. I mean, I would say let's try to push the bounds. Let's see if we can get eight in there. Oh, you you got to keep it odd numbers so the so your eye flows through the piece. Uh, all right, we'll do nine then. We'll do one in every every little section of the rule of thirds. Let's see, it's nine, so we could do a dick mandala. I mean, that could a work. Dick-dala. I got to draw that now. So here's, here's a good story. And of course I don't have any photos to prove it, but me, me and a bunch of my friends like to play the card game magic the gathering. And there was a day Uh where we were, there there was a day where we were bored at an event and between rounds, I just like grabbed a blank card and I'd made my friend a token 
that could be used in the game, but I made sure that it was made out of like nothing but dicks. Oh god. And then the rest of my <laughs> the rest of my night consisted of making people custom tokens to use that had at least one super obvious dick thrown right in the middle of it. It was like no no trying to hide it. It was like a dick incorporated into it where it's very clearly that and secondary yeah. is the image it's supposed to be. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. I had way too much fun doing it. Oh I can imagine <laughs> Last time, my uh, daughter and I tried to make sugar cookies. It, the, the cookie cutter went a little wrong, and they just wound up being penis cookies. It was supposed to look like a reindeer, but it kept cutting the back legs off, and they just wound up looking like penises, and we're like, the heck with it, we're going to bake them anyway. They were delicious. Yeah, we know how to make cookies. But they were just penis cookies. My dad wouldn't even go near them. He's not confident enough in his manlyhood to eat a penis cookie. Where's Medusa when you need her? Oh, I know. I she would chime in that. on that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. Uh, Hopefully yeah. she's recovering from a good Saturday night. Well, we'll see. We'll see. And uh, No, knowing her, she's probably out walking her dog. True. She posted a picture of him on Instagram the other day. He's so freaking cute. Yeah, she, yeah, she's she's got a pretty good pick of animals there. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually running into a dilemma now, everyone, and maybe you guys can help me out with this. I I'm trying to figure out where I'm gonna go, like not where I'm gonna go, like location wise, but. What am I going to do next for the next few art projects that I'm going to be working on? I've got a, um, I had someone give me a couple ideas as far as working on some smaller stuff, like little three by fives or four by six paintings. Um, and I was debating on whether or not I should start working on that and start trying to build like a whole uh, maybe like a mini portfolio of smaller stuff to sell. That's not a bad idea. You know, so I was debating on that, but then I was like, mm, I don't know if that's the direction I want to move in because I enjoy working bigger. So it's like, should I kind of switch gears a little bit and go a little bit smaller or should I continue to work bigger and try to push the bounds of the size that I like to do? Are you thinking for like prints or are you thinking for like up for grabs designs for tattoos? Well, I've got quite a few um, up for grabs designs that I'm going to be bringing with me to debut at Resurrection Island in October. So like that, I've, I've got 20 some odd different designs I'm going to be bringing out for the first time at, at the show in October. 
Um, I always have a whole bunch of them on hand just in case, especially at conventions, because if you get a last minute con uh, cancellation, it's like, all right, well, if you don't have anything going on, throw up some up for grabs designs, capitalize on that open time. Someone will get something done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Ricardo, I had to mute you, bud. Um, so like that's, that's neither here nor there though. Um, I'm just thinking for like works of art, paintings, you know, things to add to my catalog, uh, or my body of work, you know, because I do have a tendency to work rather large. Um, this is probably one of the smaller paintings I've done in a while, unless it's like a quick little color study. Those I usually tend to do like six by 12, uh, sometimes a little smaller, but usually it's about six by 12, just so I can get an idea for, you know, colors, color schemes, what colors I want, where, and that's usually four bigger pieces down the road. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to be switching gears though. I, I definitely think I want to try doing a couple of smaller things, just like single individual designs. Yeah, Maybe it's not never whole bad scenes. to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But, you know, I mean, they wouldn't really be up for grabs designs, but, like, they uh, they would probably make for some pretty cool paintings. Yeah. Like tiny little guys, little miniatures. Mm-hmm. I love little paintings. And that's what I'm starting to notice more and more is that people like the smaller, quick stuff. Like the smaller just smaller scale things. Those are what I gravitate towards when I look for art at garage sales and yard sales. The small little hand, you know, hand painted pieces that may necessarily not be on canvas, just someone painted it on a piece of board and then framed it. I love really rustic, you know, small paintings. I probably don't need to be collecting more of them, but I can't help it. It's like a compulsion at this point. Yes. I, I feel like, you know, somebody put a lot of work into that art and it's beautiful and I don't want it to just wind up in a landfill. Because I wouldn't want mine to. So I'll buy it and hang it up. Yeah, it's either that or I start working in like really, really awkward sizes. Yeah, but that like like four by ass. 23. This way I know it won't fit in a standardized frame. Uh, yeah, but then you got to do a series so you can map them all together and put them in a standardized frame. Nah, no. That would I, just, awesome. I would just want to be difficult. Maybe help support do, the like, framing community. Limited, <laughs> do limited edition runs of those odd shapes where you have to collect all of them to get them to fit in a regular frame, but then release it every like six months. Yeah. 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 Actually, exactly. that's not a to, bad idea. So you have to pay attention to try to get the second one in the series. And like you might get fucked over and miss one in the middle. <laughs> so if I did a series, I'm pretty sure they sell 12 by 24 frames. Right. So if I did a series yeah. of three inch, three inch by 24 inch, four different paintings. And I released one every three months. 
as opposed to six months. Cause I figure like after three months, people are going to lose interest. So it's like, maybe I should just start doing that. Then it's like, collect them all. Yeah. That's what I was considering doing with like a whole bunch of smaller paintings, you know, running prints of those say they were all four by six. Well, collecting enough of them, you can fit enough of them edge to edge into one big frame. What you got to do with that is subtly have them incorporate into each other. That's... So rather than being just standalone things like the borders, if you were lining them up together, they would make one big panoramic image, but they're also good standalones. Not a bad idea. Now the question becomes, would I have to keep the theme similar between each painting? I think as long as it has that transition, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you were to do, say, like a life and death painting or something like that, where you could have one that's got really beautiful nature from like, say, a forest and there's beautiful flowers and butterflies and all that shit everywhere and then it has like a tree or something in the middle that transitions over to like a dark gringy swamp where there's just death and destruction everywhere not a bad idea together together it makes that nice panoramic image but they're also standalone good ones even if the theme between them is just one specific color that runs through all of them to tie them all together. Yeah, I can make that work. I picked the perfect moment to have an allergy attack. Real quick, does anyone happen to know, like, on the inside of shark's gills, are those pink? Is it like a pink um, tone? For you, so I'm just cleaning. Oh, okay. Cool. I think they are on a great white. I don't know about all sharks. Mm. <laughs> I'm just trying to think back to Shark Week. Well, this is a hammerhead, so... You're going to do a helmet head shark next? I might. My grandson loves sharks. I think I might do some dots on them too. Some like pattern camouflage dots just to break mm -hmm. up the form a little bit. Not I like camo dots, but although I could a make them a camo plastic. shark. That could be cool. Camo shark to the rescue. Hmm. That's the next Sharknado movie. Camo shark. Sharknado 18. Who the hell is still funding this? The only reason they're still funding this is because they're still watching. Well, that's because you have to. It's so ridiculous that it's, it's like, like, yeah, you have to watch. 
So apparently with those super low budget movies, they like everyone involved in it knows it's terrible. And they take just these super minimal paydays just for the sake of doing it. Because there's the hope that like, maybe somebody will see this and it will get me a slightly better role. Yeah. But lots of the actors that are in there are like, they get a hundred bucks and all their scenes are filmed and like it's, and they go into it knowing it's just terrible. <laughs> They're running out of terrible actors to use, too. They're going to have to start using Hallmark movie actors soon. There, oh, there is an endless supply of terrible actors. Yeah, go to any college or university in the United States that has a degree in acting. You can pick up loads of them by the truckload. Or, or like oh, any high school. <laughs> yeah, high school works. So Jason, I've, I'm having trouble finding much on the shark skills for you, but they do look like, like if I could base it off of what I have found, they do look like they're mostly white with this ever so slight, like ready pink tint to them. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I think for the sake of contrast, going with a nice like salmon colored pink would be good for that. Okay. Yeah, I think that would look great. So that would be a bit more on the orange side if we were going to go with a salmon tone. So let me break out some orange or even just a, an orange-based red. Let's see what, what I can Medium are you painting that with? Uh, liquid acrylic. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's liquid acrylic like on arches. No? I mean, yeah. I, I like to I love paint like I tattoo. So I do like a lot of like washes. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see if I can drag this over real quick. So I actually go on Amazon and I pick these things up. These are like little tattoo ink trays. Um, I love them for painting. Absolutely love them for like liquid acrylic, liquid watercolor. Anything that's like liquid based. I mean, you can even use them for oil painting if you don't want to use like a glass palette. Uh-huh. Cause you can always trash it afterwards. Right. You cool. can put like a tiny little dot of whatever colors you need. It's got larger areas for whatever colors that, um, you know, you might need want a, a little bit more of, it's got a tiny little mixing tray. Um, if I'm using this to tattoo, I'll usually like put whatever glide or Vaseline or whatever in here. Um, and then spots for cartridges, but you know, they also work well for things like eyedroppers, paint, small paintbrushes, things of that nature. Um, and it, it helps keep everything separated. So if I'm going through and I'm doing different values of gray wash, I'll actually do like a drop of black, two drops of black, four drops of black, whatever. Um, and then obviously like one solid black, just so that I can go through and I can control whatever value and I know it's not going to go too dark or too light. Um, it's one thing that I've, I picked up on when I was in college and I was like, why can't we paint like that? Mm-hmm. And I just find that it helps control value. I like that little tray. I got to get me some of them. Yeah. It's not exactly the most eco-friendly device in the world, but it works well. But if I'm using it for painting, not tattooing i can always reuse it 
because I would. You can. It's actually little... really, really difficult to wash out, though. Well, I would fill all those little pads with watercolor and let them cure. Yeah, that would work. Instead of using like a little flip tray, that would yeah. work really, really well. I prefer tube watercolors to pan watercolors, but I like to let them cure and use them like pan watercolors. See, I used to swear by pan, but I'm not a big fan of it anymore because I find that it's far more translucent. Yeah. So it's like, eh, if I want more of an opaque kind of look, I want to go with tube. I find that the colors are a little bit more vibrant. Yeah, well, it helps when you use the tube um, watercolors and let them tear down the water so it's just pure pigment. Well, it, at that point in time, it would be pigment and gum Arabic because yeah. that's the, uh, the binding medium Binders. for watercolors. But I found when I let the tubes tear down, I have a better light fastness and much more opaque if I want to use an opaque. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to get more of an opaque look if you do let the, uh, the tube cure down for sure. This guy I went to high school with, Victor Grasso, he's an artist out here in Cape May. He does watercolor paintings that look like he, looks like he drew them. Yeah. He's an amazing watercolor painter. He's done some watercolors that look like they were done in oil. Yeah, it's definitely a talent. And I've, I've met watercolor artists that, you know, they'll sit down and they'll do like a blue base and like they'll just block in some like blues and ultramarine or cobalt blue or whatever. Then they'll go back over top of that and it's like a perfect portrait. It's yeah. like, how did... How did you go from like blue to like this light pink? How did that happen? It's all right? about the drying time and the opacity of the paint you're using. Bingo. I, I have I, I've also found it yet. also has a lot to do with the surface. Um, because the, the surface that you're using it on, some surfaces are more uh, readily acceptable to different types of uh, heavy washes. Yes. And certain surfaces definitely are not meant for that. My favorite watercolor paper is definitely Arches. Yeah, Arches makes some good stuff. Um, I've got rolls of it at my house. I've got a roll of hot press and a roll of cold press, depending on what kind of mood I'm in that day. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll pick one or the other. But it's always, Arches has been like, Arches, sometimes Canson. Canson makes some good ones. Uh, I've been wanting to try some of the Hannah Mule watercolor papers because I love their printmaking papers. Yeah. So I'm really interested to try those out. I'll have to look that up. Um, they do a lot of like very heavily like gritty texture stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really enjoy painting on because it gives you that, that little bit of extra texture and feel to it. I like to do pen and ink on a lesser quality watercolor paper like Strathmore. It doesn't have too much texture, but it holds the ink so well. It does. And Strathmore is really good for certain things. Like if you're painting, yeah. if you're painting I, with like very, very thin washes where you're not using a lot of water. 
Um, I've like almost pure straight paint with just very minimal water in it. Yeah. Use Strathmore. It's great. It'll hold up. Well, the thing I don't like about Strathmore is that it's not very good with super heavy washes. Yeah. No, it buckles easily, but it's great for pen and ink. Yeah, but in my opinion, there's a surface for everything, you know, but it's exactly. finding the right one that really, really matters. When it's finding your preferred surface, too. Some people like to paint watercolors on Bristol board, like Bristol vellum. Yes, um, I have some Bristol board, and I've been looking at it going, I wonder what watercolor would do on that. Um, you have to use it in a very, very one-shot, very opaque kind of way, yes. but it does work. You can't do a... a you can't do heavy washes on it. Yeah, it will no glazing. And it will warp faster than you can realize. I like to do, anytime I'm working with Bristol, especially Bristol vellum, um, I actually really enjoy using Copic markers. And um, sometimes I'll mix in a little bit of paint with it, but mm -hmm. usually I reserve that for my Copic markers. Yeah. Somebody just gave me a really expensive set of alcohol markers that I plan on trying out. Yeah, I actually used to know someone that used to take um, Copic marker refills because that's one thing that Copic's known for. Um, which is, and it's all alcohol-based ink. Yeah. You know, which is awesome. But they used to take the refills and they would just buy the refills and they would pour a little bit out in a tray and use that to paint. I do that on my nails because there's a technique to make it look like watercolor on the fingernails. And you take, you know, the pen the alcohol and pen refills and you dilute it with more alcohol and then you put it on the nail. And it makes the tiny little nails look like watercolor painting. That's cool. Uh, Gabe just joined us on the YouTube. What's up, Gabe? Gabe. Gabe is going to be heading down to Puerto Rico for the Puerto Rico convention. Nice. So we are going to have a small little party down there. If I remember correctly, maybe that's changed. I don't know, but it's going to be a good time either way. Yeah, Medusa said she just got her tickets for Puerto Rico last week. Yep, Medusa will be down there hanging out with us. It's going to be a great time. You got to take some video. Oh, I will. I will. I'll be getting plenty of it. Um, I love going to the Puerto Rico show just because it's... It, it's tattoo artists from all over the world. It's very, very international. And um, the caliber of artists that work at it are absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's by invitation only, right? Correct. Yeah, so you're not getting in there if you're not really good. Now I'm blowing my, my wad on Philly and Atlantic City this year. Yeah, Philly should be a good show. Budget. I just got the paperwork for that the other day. I still got to fill it out, though, and figure out what's going on with it. I've got a couple of people that are trying to to work that show with me every year. 
So um, I got to reach out to them and get the paperwork started on that. I love to attend them. It just as you know, an attendee. See, I like doing that, but I like doing that at shows that are more international. Yeah. Like heading up to the Deadly Tattoo Convention up in Calgary. That was mm -hmm. amazing. Um, you know, that to me was like, okay, that's a show worth traveling for to attend. It was more yeah. like vacation. Um, I mean, I was there doing like a lot of marketing and promotional stuff, but it was definitely more of a come hang out, you know, uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy being at a tattoo convention show as opposed to a, okay, who do I need to book? You know, what appointment yeah. spots do I have left? How am I going to make this money back? Well, that, so that's something that I'm never really that concerned about because my philosophy um, is and always will be, you should never work at a show or a convention unless you can plan on, unless you can afford to write off the whole thing as a total loss. Like if you can't afford to take the hit on it, do not work at that show. Guaranteed things will not go well. Um, it's just something that I've learned over time as like a little life lesson. And I highly recommend other people to pick, pick up that philosophy mm -hmm. because tattoo conventions are hit or miss. And if you yeah. can't afford to take the hit, don't even take the chance. Well, you can write the whole thing off on your taxes, can't you? You can for certain places um, and for certain things. But what I've found is that for, you know, uh, things like uh, certain types of taxable deductions doesn't exactly go the way that you're going to think it's going to go. Yeah. So. We've got James with us today. Hey, James. James in the hey, house. Jason. Hi, Amber. How y'all doing? How are you? I'm good. Doing well, man. Doing well. Doing really well. Outstanding. Let me break out a little bit of orange. Vermilion. Well, that piece is really coming together, Jason. Yeah, like what I did, I started throwing in some of the pinks in the mouth, um, trying to keep those a lot more on the desaturated side, mm -hmm. just to, yeah, because it's obviously in shadow with the top-down light source, so it's like, okay, well, all of that's really going to be in shadow, so it's not really going to be that vibrant. Um, now I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the gills. I think I'm going to go with a um, bit of a lighter tone. Maybe a, um, I think vermilion might be a little too much. Let's see what I've got. No, carmine's too red. This is always the problem I run into with color selection. It's trying to find the right tone. And then seeing if I already have it available. Mm -hmm. Spectrum red should work. If not, permanent red. 
Permanent red looks like the better choice. I mean, I do tend to go through and mix my colors whenever I can, but just to get like a unique color, but then I want to have consistency throughout things. So then that makes things a bit more difficult. Mm -hmm. Then it's like, wait, did I do three drops of red or yellow? Did I do three drops of yellow with this red to make this orange? Or did I do four drops? that we got Rhonda Jackson chimed in on the Facebook page from West Tennessee how's it going nice we got um, atomic injections over on the YouTube creatures cave skies of fire what's up guys creature. hey creature So Jason, I noticed that you did a um, you you did an episode um, on Fireside Network about um, about prints, about fine art prints. Uh, oh, I haven't had a chance to check it out, but I'm um, but I it's it looks it looks very interesting, and just I know it's a subject that we you know you've been talking about lately, and something that's near and dear to your heart. It um, is indeed. But yeah, it's definitely it's definitely something that I'm I'm actively looking into. I want to, you know, I definitely would like to start making prints, and um, you know, so I'm really I'm looking forward to checking out that uh, checking out that episode and um, seeing you know seeing what I can seeing what I can glean from. from yeah, and if you if you have there. any questions, reach out to me. Let me know. Um, I'm more than happy to answer any questions you might have. A lot of things we discuss in that episode is like what to look for in a good print, um, what a good print should be made with, uh, different ways to make prints, you know, strategies for printmaking and things of that nature. Um, a lot of people like to make prints for, at shows because it allows people to take home a part of that artist without having to necessarily spend lots and lots and lots and lots of money to get tattooed by that individual person. Now, mm -hmm. if you're like me, you get tattooed because you get to learn a lot. So for me, it's a little bit of a different story because I'm there to gain the knowledge from that individual artist to figure out, okay, what are they using? How are they doing things? Um, so it's more of an educational experience. But if it was up to me and I just wanted to collect a piece of art from that artist and say I didn't have $4,000 to spend on getting tattooed, or they're totally I, would go through, I would go through and buy a print. Why not? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and there are certain people out there that are doing it absolutely the right way. Look at Teresa Sharp, for example. Mm -hmm. um, her prints are gorgeous, 
gorgeous, very well done, super high quality. You can tell the amount of time that whoever was running those prints put into them. Um, they're signed and editioned correctly, which is something that most artists aren't doing at tattoo shows. Um, and that's like a very big, like fine art world faux pas is to not sign and edition things correctly. So it's, um, there's a lot of like little intricacies that get into it, but you know, if someone was interested in getting started making prints, it's really not that difficult. As long as you've got a basic understanding of the fact that it's probably going to be slightly different than the original, you know, as far as like color, things of that nature, um, getting things set up right as far as the right equipment to use, that's critical. And then figuring out, you know, your cost. What, what is it going to cost you to get started? But it's an investment, you know, it's a, it's a product that you're making. Um, so, you know, like you said, you, um, maybe it's ancillary to your, you know, to, to what it is you're selling, you're, you're there doing tattoos and you also have this as a you know type of merchandise, but it is, it should, you know, still represents you and, um, it could absolutely be, um, uh, a work of art unto itself. It could, you know, it could very, you know, could very much be, uh, a, you know, an object of desire. Uh, just right. like you said, you may just want it because it's so well done. You know, I find myself, believe it or not, picking up prints from artists all over the place that, um, you know, not even necessarily because I'm in love with the artwork, but just because of how well that print was done. You know, you're, you hit the nail on the head there. And I've got a folder filled with prints from people all over the world. Mm. You know, most of which will never see the light of day just because that would cost a lot to get them framed. Mm. Um, which is the, the other factor that some people don't necessarily take into consideration. If you're buying a print, get it framed. Don't be like me. Don't sit on, you know, like 20 or 30 prints that you probably won't ever buy frames for like let someone else pick those up support the artist by all means but if you're going to buy a print get it framed please now would you ever consider doing that like you know i mean you could perhaps that's not something you would offer at a say convention type of uh you know at that at that sort of format but maybe on your website or something you have you know I mean, you, it would be an upsale, right? You, you could have it framed and print, you know, have the print framed, maybe a nice museum glass, maybe some mat matting or something around it. Um, so I have done that for people before. Mm -hmm. um, it is quite a bit of an upcharge, uh, but the product that they get out of it at the end is way better. Um, I've got, uh, a contact in the framing world uh, out of Laredo, Texas. And um, this guy makes museum quality handmade solid wood frames um, that are all like custom molded, uh, gold leafed. Well, you can get gold leaf, you can get like silver leaf. He'll do that too. 
nice. but they're museum quality frames and they're not very expensive. Um, so like I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. I can mat them, frame them. And then usually for people that are working on that kind of a tier, as far as not necessarily like product description goes, but if you're looking at spending that kind of money and you live anywhere close to me, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to hand deliver it to you. Um, but I'll take care of like all the framing, all the matting, um, you know, make sure everything is 100% perfect and, you know, then drop them off at your door. But it's as much as I enjoy doing that and going through the entire process, it's not always something that, as you mentioned, it's not always necessarily conducive to bringing a whole bunch of already framed prints mm -mm. to a show, mm -mm. unless you're getting like very basic sizing very basic kind of frames, um, which is cool. You know, you can do that for sure. Mm. And there are people out there that make boatloads of money just with like little eight and a half by 11 prints that are already in like a very cheapo frame, which is cool. But I always try to give it something a little bit nicer, you know, nicer spin to it. But yeah, prints are... Um, Prints are great, man. I absolutely love them. You know, it's also a way for me as an artist to retain the original artwork and still provide people that might like that image with a copy of that image. So it's kind of the way that I've started to look at things. It's done. I am currently trying to finish this pen and ink I started 10 years ago. It's been in the pile of things I haven't finished. I think we all have a pile like that sitting at, you know, wherever we create art. A pile of, I'll get back to it eventually kind of stuff. Yeah. That's what I'm tidying up right now. My desk turned into just a fucking minefield of all kinds of stuff. It's like, I got to go through and clean this. Oh, I just, the, the table next to me just has piles of things on it. Paint, markers, pencils, paper, you name it. I hired an organizer uh, earlier this week, last week, actually, last Tuesday worth every penny i got to the point of my deep cleaning in my house where i was starting to get burned out you know i did most of the work but that very last hump was just like ugh, really oh, hard wow. to get through so i buckled down and for the first time in my life i ordered i ordered i uh hired a house cleaner who specializes in helping with downsizing um and organizing and i told her my two my Three priorities were because it was the end of my, you know, seasonal deep cleaning and I was just really burnt out. I told her that the end of my um, list was my desk, my art studio and my closet. And 
within two and a half hours, everything was in its place. She also taught me some really cool tricks about how to organize things because I'm the type of person that just important papers. I'm like, okay, so I need to see them in order to remember that I need to deal with them. If I tuck them away, they're lost forever. And then I've screwed up. Mm -hmm. Um, So I tend to leave my important papers out, you know, like insurance, mail, bills, stuff like that. But it gets really cluttered really easily when you get like three or more papers just left out. So a uh, really cheap $1.29 trick that uh, she told me if I wanted to save money, but also like have thing. I just got one of those paint trays to put um, like my outgoing box and my oh. incoming box. And I swear to God, I know it sounds like super dorky because it's a it's just a fucking plastic disposable paint tray but all of my state farm papers have been in one place and organized ever since all week long and nice. i don't have to go to paper plates like i used to oh, that's God. A... <laughs> which you you were like yeah i'm gonna take notes on this because i'm not gonna lose it and what did you end up doing with it I kept that paper plate until the time I needed it. It just happened to be in a different room. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. every every all of my notes written on that paper plate though, uh-huh. every time I reached into my backpack, I was all like, what uh-huh. the fuck is this paper plate sure. doing here? And I looked at it and there were notes on yep. it. I was like, I'm gonna keep this paper plate. Yep. Every Absolutely. Time I, yeah, it worked. <laughs> for, for its purpose, it worked. So, hi, morning, everybody. That was me morning, chiming Medusa. in about my paint bucket and paper plates. What's, what's, uh, the, what's everybody working on? Have we gone through that? I'm late. Yeah, it's all good. No worries. I'm still working on this hammerhead. Nice. Yeah, that's your Sunday. Sunday work project, right? Yeah, until it's finished. And then it's like, what do I do from here? But I was debating that and discussing that earlier. And I think I'm going to switch gears because I generally tend to work kind of large scale with a lot of things. So I think I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to start doing like a whole bunch of tiny little guys for the next few paintings that I do, like little four by six guys. Nice. Yeah, I've got to finish up another round of postcards to send out. Do you send those out like annually or every now and then? Um, I haven't really figured out what I want to do. Um, you and Ricardo and a couple of other people from... Uh, BYOB got the first ever ones that I ever made. Oh, make me feel so special. Yeah. So, and I have a few more, so I figured like a few more blank ones and I was all like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to send some to a few other people because I still got a list of people I want to send some to. So it's more of a, um, in order to keep the art on the postcards good, I'm trying not to force myself to do it. So just whenever the feeling comes, 
do it, send it out immediately to somebody that's next on my address list and all of that. I like, I like, to to, it. I like to give. And we appreciate it. We do. Yeah. Good. Good. James, what are you working on? Um, so I'm uh, I'm in the Monday classes uh, with with Sandy now, um, and so uh, we were doing this this cover up. It's really um, you know really sort of a let's see if I can show it. So we're designing the cover up for this back piece. Ah, here. So. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm just, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like try a few other compositions. I've been, uh, I've been doing, you know, some custom drawing, but like, but lately I've been doing. It's just been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of requests. You know, uh, uh, tracing. Right. That's been that's been most of the tattoos I've been doing. I've just been like, uh, you know, people come in with their design. Uh, so it's. Um, so yeah, so I'm. I think I'm just trying to like stretch these muscles, you know, the the creativity muscles, and do this work. Be ready for, you know, for Monday's class. You know, I'm ready for Monday's class. Good. I am not. I had to take a couple of weeks off. What is a what is the project you're working on right now, James? And and Amber, since you're working too. Um, On Monday class, we're doing things. We've been doing figure drawing. Well, James has been doing figure drawing, and I've been failing miserably. No, you're doing great. You're doing great, Amber. Yeah, we're just uh, we're like um, uh, we've been learning about anatomy, and um, we've been practicing how to do gestures. So timed, you know, timed figure drawings and stuff. So, and I think, uh, it's, it's been a lot of fun having mm-hmm. some, some people join and that's like, that just makes it so much better. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, I think it's, it's just really, um, it's been, it's been super like, uh, you know, fulfilling for me, I love teaching and I love, you know, talking about that stuff. And so having other people that are, you know, excited to be there too, um, makes it like, makes it worth it. So. That's awesome. Being able to share your skill and know that you got to help other people better themselves has got to be really, really rewarding. One of these days I'll wake up early enough to ruin your class just like uh, I do to Jason and Ricardo. <laughs> would love that. But yeah, no, I get it. It's it's early. Sometimes it's even early for me. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dedicated, though. I get up every day. Yeah. I, I have to be up anyway to get the kids on the bus. We got Ricardo over there working on a back piece. Uh, side panel, actually. Side panel. Like, uh huh. 
Yeah. The back doesn't hurt nearly as bad as the side. Oh, I see. Woof. I'm making a Thulsa Doom flash. Nice. Which is, you know, a lot of tracing because I'm trying, I'm trying out um, this uh, thing I saw on YouTube by uh, Robbie Ripple where he uses a stencil app to make the stencil and then warps it around to uh, create his own thing and then adds to it and takes away from it. So there's the base layer thing. So I'm working, I'm trying that little method out and I'm having a lot of fun. I will have to check that out. I just got done ordering a new convention banner this morning, uh, as well as new stickers. So, oh yeah, are they gonna match your? They're gonna match your business card. Uh, actually, it's a variation on the design on my business card, and if you guys want to see it, I'll pull it up. Uh, let's see, where's Photoshop? Um, so I went with something pretty basic for the uh, for the banner nothing crazy my name's at the top and that's like all the real information on there just because i wanted it to be more graphically focused um the business or the new stickers that i'm getting made have my instagram handle at the bottom that was a nightmare to get figured out as far as proportion and size goes um but i did it and it worked so that's what matters Let's do this. We're going to switch this. And then this goes there. This comes over here. This can be Let's see, file. <laughs> it's a pretty big file, so might take it a minute for it to load. Hey, Medusa. Mm-hmm. Did I dream this or did one of these podcasts, you say something about planning a tattoo that you're going to tattoo on yourself? Um, I have mentioned before that I am, uh, I got my um, boss's old carbon powder and I am searching for acetate to make an acetate stencil that I'm gonna do on myself. Nice. I just tattooed myself last week. Nice. How does it? How did it go? Do you want to show your class? Um, show the rest of the class. Let me see if I can stand up and put my leg up here. Don't hurt yourself. Oh, I won't. Was that your first one or first one oh, in no, a while I, since you I, I started? I tattooed myself like seven times. Oh, that's very cute. Thank you. 
I've wanted that specific tattoo there for like two years now. And I've had it sitting up on my wall and looking at it and looking at it. And last week I got out of the shower and I was like, you know who needs some new ink? I need some new ink. Everybody else gets ink and then I don't get it. Treat yourself. I actually like my work a lot. So the inside of my legs is for my work. The outside of my legs is for collecting others' work. Nice. And my arms, I get to collect others' work. So I kind of like that my legs show the progression of my tattooing. That's very cool. So I got my, the, uh, the new banner queued up. Ooh, okay, cool. let's see that. Yeah, where's share? Oh, yeah, it is very oh. similar to the thing, but that is fucking cool. Yeah, I love the pop of color. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to go with like a very Art Nouveau meets Japanese traditional kind of feel. You nailed um, it. So it's kind of what I came up with. And uh, my my big thing is like, I like gold. Like it's very shiny. It's very eye-catching. Black and yeah. yellow is a very high contrast color scheme. So I always like to try to incorporate that in some aspect. And I figure if I really wanted to go super, super fancy with it, I could always take like a gold paint marker and go over my name, go over mm -hmm. the waves, uh, maybe even some of the background as well, just to really bring that out with like a metallic look. Um, and the stickers that I have going on are the same basic thing, a little bit, quite a bit smaller in scale. But um, same, you know, design composition, same graphics. Um, once again, with that black and gold kind of color scheme, uh, tends to work really well as far as high contrast goes. So it should turn out pretty nice. That I'm is very cool. I agree yeah. with the gold thing. I always try to incorporate gold in a bunch of my uh, promotional stuff as well. It just, it's just pretty. And that yeah. is a super pretty banner. I would, yeah, I would flock to your booth. Yeah, I always try to do something that's going to stand out from everyone else. Now, granted, yeah. lots of different people have, um, you know, black banners. So it's like, okay, well, how is that going to be any different? But... Yeah, well, I think, really I think like you're right it. about the gold, you know, the gold and the yellow and the black. That's that's very high contrast. That's why that's why like a lot of, you know, road signs are yellow and blacks. You know, it's like right. It's more there's more contrast than just, you know, than just white and black. So why school buses are that color? I um Yeah, you got to make school buses a stand out so that you know where your targets are <laughs> yeah sorry sorry to all the subscribers that i just lost this is my yeah. banner thing also black and gold but more black nice i added uh little tassels at the bottom cool do -do -do. 
I used to have like a really fancy rope hanging it up, but I never laid flat. So I gave up on that and I became a normie using the hooks like everybody else. But, uh, yeah. That's cool. What do you, does anybody else have their convention banners easily accessible? I want to see what you all got. I don't have a convention banner yet. I'm too much of a baby tattooer for that. I'll get there. I used to make like, I used to make like a new one every other year. I've got like six of them sitting around here. Most of which I don't, I, I won't ever use again. So I just have them hanging up in my house. Um, it, they're nice for like little backdrops, but you can see the progression in my artwork. So I'm always constantly trying to keep everything up to date with regards to, um, you know, where am I at skill level and trying to exhibit that to other people. I think that makes a lot of sense. I used to have a yeah. huge convention banner, like long ass convention banner, the size of one of the tables and all of that. And it was very cool as for when I vended uh, at like art conventions and I was going to do a few comic cons and stuff and then COVID happened, but uh, I did have a chance to use it a couple of times and it was huge, but looking back on it, yeah, it had pictures of my art on it that I am so much better at now. So I had to retire it. However, it's too big to store in my house. So I just tossed it. Yeah. Should have saved it. That'll be worth money someday. Nah, nah. There's nowhere to put it. And I have been trying to adopt adopt the mentality in the last like year or so, especially since I moved into my own place. I have limited space, so I need to limit yeah. my stuff. And you know, yeah. memory memories are in your brain. They're not in the things. No, I agree. So the old convention banner that I didn't use anymore, got to go. That went to the recycling. I know what you mean by being better than you used to be, though. I'm working on this pen and ink I started 10 years ago, and I'm not even the same person I was when I started this. I'm bound and determined to finish it, though. Oh, yeah, no, I uh, I have a whole bunch of projects around the house that are like in the works, but they're still pretty current. I um, have already gone through downsized, thrown away or even just given away all of my old art things, whether they were finished or not. Because uh, at some point, like my art style and my skills have changed so much that there's no point in finishing a thing without having to restart the whole thing. I so think that I just, this one, it's more about the fact that it was an emotional piece. Oh, I that's a lot of I put a lot of emotion into it. And now I'm over everything that I put into it. I've survived it. It's all gone and now I'm determined to finish it and just put an X in that and move on. Oh, that's cool. It's kind of therapy. Yeah. Jason, I need to hit you up for prints very soon. Do you prefer to be contacted through Instagram, email, or text? Uh, send a raven. Okay, I've got like four of those on hand waiting to be sent, so... 
Right. Yeah, send, send a raven, maybe um, maybe a messenger badger. A messenger badger? Yeah. That would take I, a while. I don't have any messenger badgers, but I do have a letter weasel. Okay, yeah, 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 that works too. That's, that's perfectly fine. Um, a letter weasel will do. I really want to see a close-up of what Ricardo's working on. Is he even listening to us? Hey, Ricardo. Probably not. No. <laughs> Just showing off his mask. Oh, he skills. is. He is. <laughs> Just being all muscly and tattooy. Uh, uh, to wear the muscle shirt today. He's here Showing for the off his mad skills. <laughs> Quit smiling, Ricardo. We can see you smiling from here. And no fun. Oh. Uh, all right, let's see what's next. Yeah, uh, what are your plans for finishing that? I feel like you've been working on that for weeks. Well, I need to tweak the eyeballs a little bit. Um, I need to... I want to lay some pinks into the underbelly. Ooh. Make um, it fleshy. Just very light, translucent, kind of pinkish. And then um, basically just tweak the contrast a little bit more as far as some of the waveforms and then outline uh, some of the waveforms that I'm, that I really want to stress to allow certain ones to be, to stand out more and other ones to fall back more. Um, you know, it just also helps kind of clean certain things up a little bit. Yeah. And the waves are staying black and gray, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because in my opinion, like, water is transparent, right? By nature, it's transparent. It's blue from the reflection. So this is where things get crazy, right? Because we think of water as blue, and that's the way it's usually portrayed. Um, but it's really kind of, like, clear. Because if you go swimming in clear water, it's clear. It's translucent, right? Um, it gets blue from the reflection of the sky and all types of other stuff. And uh, vice versa, the sky gets its color tone from the reflection of the ocean. So it's like a vicious cycle. At least this is what I've been led to understand. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Been wrong before. I'm okay with being wrong. But because it is translucent, I always like to depict it as more of black and gray than I do as a color. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. That makes sense. Plus, I also find that keeping the background black and gray can help people focus more on the color portions of it um, to really allow the main subject matter to stand out a bit more. How do you keep it from looking unfinished? Because I feel like a lot of things that are half black and gray and half color always tend to look like unfinished. But yours looks like it's supposed to be that way. So. Um, Do you know so what I mean? I, I think I know what you're talking about. 
Um, for me, the best way to do it is to make sure, number one, all your spots are filled in where they need to be filled in, but they're left open and blank where they need to be left open and blank. Um, for example, like I've got, you know, this corner hasn't been touched at all, but that's also because I'm trying to draw a contrast between these darker waves in the background and, you know, a, a very light surface in the background. I was just noticing that versus those light waves too. Right. So yeah, it creates brilliant. that kind of a distance between the different levels and layers. Um, as far as making it look complete, as long if you're planning things out correctly, it should always look complete, even with just like a very light wash in there. Um, I, I think that's what you're talking about. Maybe I'm wrong. Mm. Or what, like, maybe if I'm, I'm if I'm not on topic, applicable. like, let me know and I'll try to answer your question. I think what I'm talking about is more applicable to tattoos now that I'm ah. like seeing, like thinking about it on paper. Yeah, because like half black and gray tattoos and half color tattoos always kind of look unfinished. But I guess it's not so much when it's on it's 2D. So if you're if you're working even with tattooing, right? Um, if you're working with something that's in color and you really want that color to stand out a bit more say the colors that you're working with are far lighter um, than you know anything else and you really want to kind of accent how light and bright they are throw a darker background behind them what that's going to do is pump that lightness and really by contrast by definition it's really going to make those lighter tones stand out way more than if you were to go through and try to do like a color contrast or something like that. Does that help at all? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think you're, you know, also like, you know, your subject matter, you know, like the subject of your, of your image is the shark and that's where you're putting the color and then the supporting elements here are the waves. And so you're letting those be, mm, Right, that's yeah, secondary. They're, they're more subdued because they are just tonal rather than having the intensity of the color. And so when I look at your banner too, I kind of see similar. I guess, you know, you have a, you have like the really dark values on the, you know, um, you know, on the snakes. So, and it's so centralized. So the snake head is really sort of, you know, emphasized, but you put like the brightest, the brightest hue, the brightest color is really in your name and stuff. And so, I mean, that's kind of like, because it's a, it's a graphic, you know, like design. So you're really trying to, you know, there's the image is really kind of, you know, supporting the, the idea of, um, you know, like, uh, advertising your name. So I think you're right. kind of like, you know, you're just like inverting those relationships in certain ways. So, um, it's neat. I think, you know, the, how you play with it, I think is, you know, it's, it's intuitive, but also, uh, it helps us as a viewer kind of, um, navigate, right. you know, the imagery because it can be, you know, it can be really complicated. And if you put all of the same emphasis, you know, like through the, through the various like intensity, right. If it was, if the blue of the water was just as intense as the, you know, like as the yellow in your shark, it would, you know, it would be, Mm, distracting. It would look right? really flat. 
yeah, something else I want to impact. Go ahead. I was just going to say something else I want to add to it that I'm surprised nobody else has brought up yet is a big reason why with your particular image, it doesn't look unfinished is to me, it has a really big like Japanese feel with that. And True. in like Japanese or traditional Japanese tattoos, a lot of the background is just black and gray or like all the water is black and gray. So all you've mm. done is just like a super light version of that black and gray water effect that would be in a Japanese tattoo. That makes and that's a lot what's of sense. making it look not out of place. It's a great observation. I make them from time to time. <laughs> that's what I like to tell people. I don't get great ideas. I don't get ideas all that often, but when I do get them, they're usually pretty awesome. Yeah, circle the calendar. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Wow. That was my Mark great thought down. for the month. I think also with the tattoos that have partial color and partial black and gray in it, if it's just one small thing in it that has color, they, they don't look finished. But if you have another enough color elements to let your eye travel around the piece, yeah, yeah, you know what? They look that more finished. That's that's a very good point to make, too. I really agree with that, because I guess what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about the unfinished tattoos are like the people coming in. They're all like, I want this uh, whole bouquet of flowers, but I want the sunflower and these two poppies to be colored and everything else yeah. black and gray. That always looks really unfinished because it's not. um it's not really focusing the color on anything in particular, except for yeah. arbitrary elements. And the subject matter isn't those pieces of elements. Like the subject matter would be the whole floral bouquet, not yeah. one or two flowers. So yeah, you're, you're bringing up a really good point. So if you were to make the flowers in color and then the foliage and the stems in black and gray, that would look much more complete. Yeah, rather than like, or yeah. Rather than some flowers in black and gray and some flowers. Yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good point to make too about the half black and gray and half color theme. Yeah, but I also think that uh, that was a really good point to make about the waves being very Japanese traditional and in Japanese traditional art and tattoos, they are black and gray, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you guys are essentially saying is my tiger with blue eyes looks incomplete. I mean, um, is it a white tiger? Uh, it, uh, I don't know. It's black and gray. I don't know, man, but that lion with blue oh, eyes oh, and the crown. Oh, at least don't forget the crown the, yeah, it has least, to be a king's crown yeah yeah at least put some gold in the crown leave the rest of yeah. the lion tiger the liger black and gray right i will eyes, say this though. though in defense of of those designs that are being done like that if done correctly that blue tint in the eyes can direct the viewer to look exactly where you want them to look yeah it can and it works well for those types of designs because eyes by nature are the focal point 
of whatever it is you're looking at, whether it's mm. a, a tiger, whether it's a person, whether it's a lion, uh, maybe it's a badger. I don't know why I'm stuck on badgers lately. I really don't. Yeah, um, I've been watching The Wind in the Willows lately. No, I have no idea what that is. Oh my God, um, it is the most awesome kids show. Uh, but, you know, it's like eyes by nature are primary focal points. That is where a lot of people tend to look initially when it comes down to different types of character design, character creation, um, things like that. It's just the way our minds are wired. Because of that, by adding that color accent in the eyes, it's just going to intensify a gaze or that eye even more so than it would normally be. So I do think that it does work well for those types of designs. However, as Medusa, as you mentioned, you're absolutely correct. By adding arbitrary color, especially more than one color, to something that doesn't really have that kind of a standardized focal point, it's like, what's the point? I don't know, man. I'm just saying, the last time I went to the Savannah and visited like Mufasa and all of that, nobody was wearing crowns and none of them had blue eyes. Just saying. But they all they all do do the whole like monkey forehead fruit Simba thing though. <laughs> I love Rafiki. I, I did a Rafiki to, uh, tattoo a little bit back, and that was super. It was a very, very fun tattoo. I bet. Uh, what were you about to say, Jason? I was going to say the last time I had someone come in for that, um, you know, I booked him out a little further in advance uh, when he came in to take a look at the design and everything. I was like, yeah, man, just came back earlier this week. You know, I went out there. I actually got to put like a king's crown on a lion just so I could take a reference photo for this. <laughs> right. I was like, I was kind of scared. I'm not going to lie. Like I thought he could eat me, but like I made that sacrifice just for this tattoo, man. Um, and the dude completely believed me. Oh God. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. You're like me. Your sarcasm is way too serious. Apparently. This is so dry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a fun story. Might as well live it up. I mean, he's going to go tell his friends, like, my dude went above and beyond for this tattoo. You got to go see him. I mean, yeah, I mean, I did, I did enlighten him to the fact that no, I did not actually travel out on <clears> safari <throat> to take reference photos. I did not, in fact, put a king's crown on a lion. I'm sorry, but that was just me messing around. I appreciate the vote of confidence there, but you know, Photoshop does amazing things. Yes, it does. Do you ever? Do you ever just walk around, point out people's tattoos, and you're like, that's totally shopped, bro. <laughs> that's not even real. What do you I mean? mean? My, my coworkers and I will sit around on, on Instagram and we'll be like, what do you think? Shopped or not shopped? Right? 
It's like, mm -hmm. oh man, I wonder what brand of black they're using. Is that Photoshop black? Photoshop black is my favorite, man. It's the Aww. darkest you can get. Sorry, sorry. It's Procreate, dark. Procreate black and Photoshop white. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Procreate black is like the darkest single pass black you can get, man. I swear about it. It is. It really is. It's amazing. You know, it I want to talk to whoever tattoos. came up with that color because it's like, I don't know how they made it, but they did a really great job with it. You can visit those tattoos like 15 years later and they're still stark black. Um, you know, you just got to scroll a bit on your Instagram. Well, yeah. 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 It's the only My phone cut out there for a second. Were we talking about Arlo's tattoos? <laughs> um, I know he's got a signature set of inks out um, and I believe those colors are included in it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah there's, have you guys seen that page uh, on Instagram, Tattooed Truthberry? Yep. Yeah, I thought they got shut uh -huh. down for a second. One of I the think things... it's still there, but yeah, I just remember seeing him on there like all the time. I remember uh, one of them. Um, I remember I had an old coworker at a different shop that I worked at who would just spend all day on that page talking mad shit about any of the images that popped up. And I remember one time, one of the pages, the images that popped up was um, a really, really good tattoo by an artist that uh, is very well known and very talented. And I remember thinking it's like oh that sucks to find out that they're photoshopping and then i took a seminar from that artist about um realism color matching and how to take proper photos and how to get the lighting right for the photos and everything and then i realized i was all like that wasn't photoshop that was literally him holding a handheld light like an led light or something and using a polarizer and having a high quality camera. Yeah. And so like, that's when I kind of stopped paying attention to Tattoo Truth Fairy. Cause I was like, some of these artists are actually just also good photographers. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, you kind of have to be in this day and age, especially with social media and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I mean I'm, I'm far from good at photography, but. Like there are a couple of little tricks that you can use that can really take your game to another level. Yeah, I mean, like if you look at the old tattoo flash magazines or anybody's portfolio from like 2005 and before, it doesn't look anything like what we're seeing on Instagram these no. days with like the filters and the being uh, the ability to take down the glare and adjust the brightness and adjust the contrast so that you're trying to make the images look like how they look in person minus the weird shit that the camera lens can add to it because yeah. let's face it camera lenses aren't reality they aren't no. they capture as much as the light photons can give them but sometimes it gives them a little too much and we get a picture of a brilliant tattoo that is covered in glare and um yeah so like i was looking through um an old artist from the 80s portfolio um their old portfolio that they had lying around and i just remember thinking like all these tattoos look fucking terrible but this person was really well known at the time 
And then like it clicked and I was like, oh, that's because I'm just numbed up to like everything I see with like the adjusting the brightness and contrast on Instagram. It's been a while mm. since I saw a photo of a tattoo that had to be taken into like Costco for the hour long like photo turnover and then you know and like all those magazines where I was just like those tattoos aren't that good people these days are so much better yes people these days are learning a lot more because information is more readily available and we have higher technology but also the people in the magazines from like tattoo flash magazine from like 1997 or something they were getting their photos developed at Costco and then mailing them in and waiting weeks to find out if they got featured. Mm -hmm. And those photos weren't adjusted for brightness and contrast. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of give and take with uh, what we're seeing on the internet. Could be Photoshop, could be a really good light source, could be completely bogus. I think what Tattoo Truth Fairy was out there trying to expose was a lot of those artists that were out there that would go back through after the fact and like create a layer and procreate, go back through, clean up some of the lines, go back yeah. over those, you know, and there they did call out certain people where, you know, maybe they forgot to erase part of that like black line layer and they would draw outside of that shape or that design. And it was pretty obvious in certain aspects. Um, so I think that's what the primary purpose behind it was. Oh, yeah. They, no, they did really did call out some legit um, hoaxers out there. Or do. Yeah, there was a lot of those, like, tattoos where people would go in with just black and white they do those super high contrast really bright photos on their instagram but then you see a photo of it healed like a month later and it's all basically gone because the black just overpowers the white but in their photos they were going in and they're pumping up way more black into those darks to really give it more depth and like throwing way more white into those highlights to really make it pop and yeah i'm all for like little bits of video edit or a little bit of photo editing to make your stuff look better and there's lots of really good artists out there who do photoshop their work to make it look better and it's to me it's just baffling like dude you're already sick like why not just show it as this yeah i think making corrections versus making minor lighting adjustments is definitely there's a big difference making full-blown corrections on your photos to correct the tattoo because it wasn't as good as you actually made it is straight up cheating versus you know adjusting Absolutely. the light source because your shop has like super fluorescent lights that can't be faded or dimmed in the area you needed to take the tattoo photo is like pretty passable on that note though I have some projects I really need to get started on and I'm gonna head out um so it's really good seeing you guys likewise yes so i'll see you when i'm looking at you bye bye Later. it's part of the reason why i'm a big a huge fan of the uh the instagram page healed versus fresh yeah, oh, yeah. let's see that. how it heals down
right? No, no filters on it because a lot of times they, they don't, uh, a lot of times when people take healed photos, they won't put any kind of a filter on it because you really don't need it. Yeah. Um, it's not like it's, you know, super fresh and shiny and, you know, you've got like really bright glare that you got to get rid of. So for me, it's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's see the healed photo. Right. But as I was talking to an artist not too long ago about that, they were like, that's fine and dandy, but one thing that a lot of people don't factor in when you're looking at healed photos is you don't know how that client took care of that tattoo. Yes. You know, could it have been the fact that that client then got the tattoo and then went straight to the beach and was hanging out on the beach all week, not taking care of their tattoo, not, you know, really appreciating the amount of time and effort that artist put into it. You know, if they're not taking care of it properly and they're literally letting it go to hell, is that up to the artist? You know, does is that part of one of the artist's controls that they can control? Yeah, once they leave the shop, it's out of your hands. Right. So, I mean, if you have a client that you know for a fact is going to take great care of their tattoo then yeah, by all means, you know, get some healed photos. But if you don't know how that person's going to take care of it, it's kind of a crapshoot. Yes. It's one of the reasons I like the dermalize so much. Or excuse me, D-Live. Well, because of copyright. Yeah. Yeah. International copyrights are <clears throat> definitely a thing. Last time I got a tattoo in a shop, I brought some with me. I was using another brand when I first started, but I had brought some with me because I know they didn't use anything like that. They just bandaged it up. And as soon as she was done, I'm like, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm putting a real bandage on it. And now she uses it too. Yeah, I think there's a, um, a very, very, it, you get into kind of like a gray area with some of that stuff too, because people need to be educated on how to apply it pr properly. Yeah. Because if people don't know how to apply it properly, then there's a huge risk there, right? Um, there's a huge risk because essentially what you're doing is like, you know, you're putting something on it that's not really sealing it. Um, but it is because yeah, it does breathe. Right. But you are at the same time keeping anything that might be on that tattoo when you put that bandage on, on top of it. And if there's bacteria or anything like that, that's on that tattoo, when that bandage goes on. It's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. So there is a bit of education that needs to be done as far as things like that are concerned. And I've used it. I use it, you know, pretty regularly. I've used it on myself, um, you know, and I've never had an issue. But all it's going to take is one time for one person to have a real, real bad experience 
and it's game over. Yeah. Well, I won't, you know, I won't mention any other brand names, but I've, I've definitely, you know, some, some of the artists I work with, they use other, they use other types of, you know, similar bandaging and people have had, you know, adverse reactions maybe to like the adhesive or something yep. like that. Like, so the, you know, it's, there is a difference, I think, in yeah. they're not all the same them. thing. They really are. No, they're not. Some of them are shiny and you shouldn't go in the sun with them on or be around heat because they do react to heat and they don't say that on the label. Hmm. Interesting. I switched from the brand I was using to D-Lies because it was reacting with heat. A girl I tattoo often, she works in a pizza place and she's by the ovens all the time. And because what I was using was shiny and not like matte, it was kind of concentrating the heat and she would have to take the bandage off. So I switched to something a little more matte and that's the Eli. And I haven't had that problem and neither has she since. Yeah, it's, um, but all in all, I think aftercare has definitely made leaps and bounds worth of progress over the past, I don't know, 20 years. Would definitely have to say that. I will be right back in two seconds. I have a grandchild problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go with a little bit more of this. Yeah, I was hanging out with a friend of mine named Ian the other day um, over at Yellow Rose Tattoo. And um, he kind of started really asking me some questions about like, oh, well, dude, what happened to all the old school stuff you used to do, man? Like all the traditional stuff. And it's like, well... You know, kind of stepped away from that for a little bit. I was like, I can still do it. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. So I think I'm going to start working with a little bit more of like a traditional aspect with certain things just to kind of switch things up for a while. I think it'll be a, a fun time. For sure. Yeah, you kind of like, I don't know, you cycle through things, whatever you're interested in and you know, you don't have to get too over-identified with any one thing. And then, yeah, you know, you can be diversified. You know, right. Diversify as... your bonds. Right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but it, it's something that, you know, I notice a lot of artists, um, tattoo artists specifically, but a lot of artists in general in this day and age, a lot of them are, I almost feel bad for them because they get pigeonholed. You know, they get stuck doing only one type of thing. Sure. And it's like, how can I, I don't understand how that can be interesting in the long run. You know, maybe, maybe it's just me. I don't know. Um, maybe there's something that I'm not seeing or that I'm missing. That could very well be it. But like, 
I don't know. I always like to have fun and do different stuff. And, you know, I like being able to do everything from lettering to like black and gray, fine line work to, uh, you know, more traditional Japanese style stuff. Like to me, having that kind of versatility and variety in what I can do is only going to make me a better artist. And it's only going to make my clientele appreciate everything that I do a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I really agree with, you know, with the questions you're raising, cause I've, I've definitely had similar questions myself. Um, but I talked, you know, I had this, uh, you know, this mentor, um, he was a teacher and, and I asked him about, um, about the Rolling Stones and like how they have to play the song Satisfaction every fucking time <laughs> you know, that they play every motherfucking time they have to play the song satisfaction if they don't you know what i mean there might be a riot right yeah. you know what i'm saying you know and so i and i asked them the same thing you just asked it's like you know like well i mean it's kind of a pigeonhole and it's kind of like you're you know you're like you can't get away from it you know it's it's almost like this curse of success um, but he had this, I think a really insightful way to think about it. He says, well, maybe, you know, maybe there's never, they just haven't gotten it right yet. You know, it's Fair like, <laughs> they just haven't, you know, they haven't perfected it yet. So they have to keep playing it. And it's sort of this, you know, it's this challenge that they've taken on. Um, and there was something about that, that I felt like that you might, you know, we might have to adopt that attitude in a certain respect that like, you know, you're, um, um, you could look at it, like you said, like, you know, it can be, you know, I, I, you do want to overcome yourself and you do want to probably sort of, you know, broaden your horizons. But at the end of the day, there's probably always going to be this labor that you must do. Um, like, uh, repetitiously forever. And how do you look at it? And it's probably, you know, with a great deal of like sort of respect and and uh, and care, and just think about how, you know, you could always you'd always do a little bit better next time, you know. So you should be so lucky to have the opportunity. And then, um, and yeah, I mean, and so that way, you know, it's like it's never one or the other. Probably it's like it's always it's always both. And um, and so you you know. Uh, but I do, I, I, <laughs> I wonder like how, how does, how do you, how can you like do this thing, you know, over day in and, and day over, out and not over, get burnt out and, um, you know, I don't know if there is a right answer to that, but yeah. certainly, you know. It's, well, it's just, it's an observation that I made and it's like, I, I like to jump around so often with different styles and different things that I do. Um, different subject matter, different, you know, different things in different ways that I, I really enjoy that kind of versatility and diversification. Yes. So for me, getting locked into one specific thing or one specific style, you know, I think that would almost be a, a type of torture for me. Um, just because it's like, well, what if I don't want to do neo-traditional today? What if I want to do super traditional, right? Super American traditional work. 
And like, that's what I want to do today, or that's what I want to do for this design, um, as opposed to, you know, Neotrad, or maybe I want to do something more realistic or give right. this more of a realistic look. Well, if people are coming to me because they want a specific style, but that's, you know, maybe I want to put something with a little bit of a different spin on it for that specific piece, you know, maybe they're not going to like it. Yeah. So it's like, where, how can I keep things interesting? And the best way I can do that is by diversifying. Now there is something to be said about going through and really picking one thing and just really doing it to the max every time. You know, there is something to be said for that, you know, and absolutely 100% perfecting it and mastering it and, you know, getting to the absolute apex of whatever that one thing is. You know, there is something to be said for that. And I really admire that with a lot of different artists out there. I just don't know if I could ever do that. Well, they do say a jack of all trades is better than a master of one. Right. Um, that's actually only part of the initial quote, though. I know, but I can't remember yeah. the rest of it. But it still means the same thing because it means the jack of all trades is more useful than the master of one. True. I, I, I don't know. It's just something I like to it. keep. I like to keep things interesting. It's just my thing. Well, it's interesting though too that I hear you talking about it. It's like I've, I've just I've heard Guy talk about it numerous times. You know that he's, um, you know, he's super grateful for his customers, and he's super grateful. You know, he's well known for for biomechanical, and and that's what people. It's really people come to see him to get done but he really wants to do a horse <laughs> you know? right like, he can't wait to do this horse tattoo let me do and a I'm realistic like, skull or a black and gray sleeve i know? i well so his tattoo on ricardo is badass yeah so. and you know i mean it's so he i don't know he does I'm, I'm sure he does get to step outside of that box a little bit but like um but still you know it's it's just funny like you're saying it like, so even even him you know He's still like there's things that he gets you know there's a lot of expectation there's a lot of like sort of it's a heavy burden to carry you know when you're when you're so popular and you're so well known and um and so yeah no i think it everybody deals with it i'm glad he talks about that because it's yeah. sort of you know it makes it's, it's super relatable and you know makes you know, when you encounter it, like, like you, like you really feel like you're going through it too. Like, you know, you know, you're not alone, you know, there's people we really look up to and respect or, you know, they deal with the same shit. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you just, you know, uh, one of my colleagues yesterday was just talking about, like, we're talking about how do you curate your Instagram page? Like, what is it, you, you know, it's like you put on there what it is that you really want to do, you know? Mm -hmm he's worried about like some of his customers don't always feel like included. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, I mean, maybe there's other ways that you can, you know, that you can celebrate, you know, you know, you can celebrate everybody in, in particular ways, but there's, maybe there's this, you know, this real forward, there's this face that you put out there and that's what, you know, it's, 
really what you want to do. It's the work that you want to see from yourself out there. It's what you want to attract to you. And then, um, you know, it's, you can't, you can't please everybody. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Likely can't please yourself. So. <laughs> well, it's like I was having a discussion with one of the people that's done a pretty big piece on me. Um, and they had, you know, the piece that they did on me up on their page for a while. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome, man. And I used to show everyone like, yo, check it out. I'm like super famous. Right. That, that tattoo is on me. It was great. Um, and then they started moving in a different style and a different way and moving in a different direction. And they no longer do say color work. Right. Um, now it's strictly black and gray. Um, and it's strictly, you know, more along the like ornamental lines and it's like, well, that's cool. And now every time I show someone the piece that they did on me, they're like, wait, so-and-so did that. That's amazing. Like it, I've never seen their color work before. And I'm like, yeah, and you probably won't ever again. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's like one of the last few pieces that they did in color. You know, so it, it does become like a collector's item after a while, but, you know, being able to sit back and have that, and there's something to be said, you're right. Artists do curate their pages. We want to draw specific clients to us for specific styles, mm -hmm. things that we really want to do. Um, you, yeah. And there's no getting around it mm -hmm. because that's the way that the industry moves. You know, people yeah. are going to look at our page and if they say, oh, well, I want black and gray realism, but this guy only has like color Japanese work, mm -hmm. you know, why would I reach out to them for a color realism or a black and gray realism piece when I don't see any examples of that kind of work? Right. And it's like, okay, this person's getting the message. Like, just because I can do it doesn't always mean that it's something that, you know, I'm going to be super into doing. Yeah. I did two watercolor tattoos this week and I didn't post either of them because I'm getting pigeonholed into being the watercolor chick. You don't like that? No, I do like it. it it's just, I don't want a steady diet of just watercolor tattoos. Hmm. Somebody give me some fine line black and gray. I love working with a three and a five brown liner. That's it's awesome. something very satisfying. And I want to do more fine line black and gray. The flash sheet I'm working on now is all fine line black and gray flower motifs. So, so I'm going to post them to try to get some more of that business. That's exactly what I was going to say. Start posting more designs that you want to do. Yeah. And what I think and, um, you're going to start to see is people flocking to you for that type of design. Yeah, and then that's going to lead to doing more of those tattoos, and it's going to snowball from there. Yeah, everybody's coming to me for the watercolor pieces, which you know the black and gray part is awesome. I love that part, and I like working in color, but I love black and gray. I just love the way it looks on the skin. There's something so satisfying about it. See, I've got the exact opposite problem. I love working with color, but it's like every other day when I'm, you know, going through a consultation or an email or something like that, people are reaching out to me constantly for black and gray work. And it's like, okay, I'm doing black and gray, you know? 
Um, I mean, I'll do it, but it's like that's never going to be put up on my page. Yeah. It's not what you want to be known for. Well, it's not that I want to be. I just want to be known for doing good tattoos. Like, that's my ultimate goal, right? Um, As I believe it should be for, you know, the vast majority of tattooers out there. Um, I just want to be known for doing quality, solid work. That's that's my main goal, my main concern. Um, If I get, you know, noticed for doing something specific, cool. But that's not necessarily like what I'm really trying to do. Once again, to avoid getting myself into that niche of people only coming to me for one type of thing. Yeah. I had a discussion with one of my mentors in the industry many, many years ago about that. And I was talking to him and I was like, man, if I could just do like Japanese work and like neo trad and bio for like the rest of my life i would be happy and he's like no you don't no you don't he's like the secret to longevity in this career is to diversify you know yeah uh look at guys like paul booth yeah paul booth does everything super dark imagery super creepy stuff and he is damn good at it Mm -hmm. but if you booked an appointment with paul booth And you were like, Paul, I want you to tattoo three Looney Tunes characters on me in whatever way you want to go to town, right? See what he comes up with. That would, I can guarantee you he would have a blast. Yeah. You know, because it's getting them outside of what they normally do. Mm -hmm. It was a fun example you just gave. (laughs) I mean, yeah. could you imagine the kind of Looney Tunes characters Paul Booth would come up with? Yeah, yeah maybe. I don't, yeah. I'd well, wear maybe. that. <laughs> it might be awkward, too. <laughs> He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, I don't, I don't. So you really want an Elmer Fudd tattoo? Really? <laughs> uh, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know. It, um, yeah. That's the problem with getting outside of your comfort zone. Sometimes you really suck, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to suck before you get good at it. <laughs> Sometimes you're really not, you know, like you got, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole like, you know, expertise that gets developed through experience and time. And, and it's like, you know, Failure. unless you were to, unless you were to, you know, unless you were to make them super dark, like maybe that's, maybe that's what you're saying, you know, but like, um, I don't know. I, it's interesting. You know, you'd have to, I guess there's, there's an experiment to be made there probably, you know, we all got to go outside of our comfort zone, but. Um, well, that's, that's where growth lies, right? Sure. How are yeah. we going to grow as an artist if we don't venture outside of that? True. But then, you know, it's like, there's a, it's like, there's this, it's not the same, you know, for per example, it's, is it the same, you know, artist that does all of the dark stuff you know what i mean it's like right it just depends on how i guess they approach it you know um <laughs> it could be you know the expectation may not match reality you know, like we're talking about like you know photoshopping yeah and stuff. very true <laughs> it's like but i don't yeah no it's this is not a disrespect to anybody at all i'm just sort of right, it's, right. it's funny because <laughs> 
you know, I mean, I, I guess I, I try to get outside of my comfort zone a lot and I, you know, and I notice like how bad it looks. And so there's a, <laughs> so there, I have an affinity with, um, you know, with, with going through that process, but also, um, you know, there's, like you said, there's growth there. It's important experimentally. And so it's worth it. It's worth it to do. So, yeah, and it gives you goals, right? Because yeah. you know you venture outside your comfort zone, and then you realize, like, hey, maybe maybe I'm not very good at this. It's <laughs> like, okay, well, let me keep working on it, and I I'll get there. Right, I'll get there eventually. You know, but it's going to require a lot more work. So it gives you something new to yeah. work with. Mm-hmm. That's the way I view it. I mean, other people it's might good. view it differently, but. Well, no, I mean it's good, but if on the individual level, but if you were, you know, if like you're the you're the one buying the thing. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's different being the, you know, it's different if you're the scientist versus being the experiment itself. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Being the consumer, you're absolutely right. (laughs) But then again, you know, you may just, you may, you know, like you'd be, you're totally willing to volunteer as tribute. And so, uh, you know, because you, you never know, it might be, might be this exceptional thing that no one's discovered yet. Like, hey, you know, this person who's known for this can actually do this other thing. Like, it's incredible. And so, and you were there, you know, right place, right time, so to speak. And so there could be, you know, I guess we all had, you know, people who were willing to be our guinea pigs when we were learning how to tattoo and stuff. So. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you do, you do have that. It's, it is, it is definitely something, you know, you can find. My ex has some bad tattoos. <laughs> yeah. Bless his heart. Well, well I think we are about... I, I, I was going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, I do believe we are about out of time for today. Um, so I wanted to say thank you for everyone that joined us. Uh, Amber, if you want to start off, we'll go through and start doing some sign-offs. Sure. You can find me on Instagram at Amber Morgan or on Facebook at Looking Glass Inc. or Amber Morgan Original. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, man, you guys uh, want to take a look at this real quick? Hell yeah, we do. Yeah. Uh, let me put my glasses on so I can see this well. You. Oh, that's sick. It's clean. Hell Thank you. yeah, dude. We're getting there. We're almost done. Now that's what I call black and you gray. You got like the perfect black and gray fades in that. Yeah, Lines are so crisp smooth. and clean and solid. Hell yeah, yeah dude. All oh, one sitting, dude. He's, he's, a, he's a rock. <laughs> he's a beast, man. Yeah. Whoa. Sorry I couldn't be uh, more verbal. No, you're a little good, man. A while ago, but we're getting there. That's awesome, dude. Absolutely yeah. awesome. Cool. That's Thanks, gorgeous. dude. Appreciate it. Yeah. Want to go through and give us a quick little sign-off while you're on here? 
Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Ricardo Sturdivant. Uh, you can reach me here Tuesday mornings, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time um, for Tuesday Fields. Uh, you can reach me on Instagram under Ricardo Sturdivant. Uh, just drop a line, say what's up, and good to see all you guys today. Likewise, bud. Likewise. Always good to see you. For sure. Right on, guys. Peace. Take care, man. Ricardo. Bye, guys. And uh, James, we'll move over to you. Cool. Hey, I'm James Wisdom. You can find me on Monday mornings at 9 a.m. Drawing for Tattooers on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network. Um, thanks, Jason, for having all of us. Uh, I was able to um, to really, you know, have great conversation, great, great camaraderie, and then also, uh, you know, get some drawing done, too. So thank you again. And thanks, everybody Anytime. else, for, you know, being a part of this community and where can we find you monday mornings 9 a.m eastern right okay. here on the reinventing the tattoo network drawing for tattooers please zoom in and we'll uh we'll draw and stuff hell so, yeah man yeah i'll be there all I'm right amber i can't wait so uh once again my name is jason leeser thank you for joining us today if you like today's program hit that like and subscribe button um, you know, give us a follow, maybe join us next time. If you're ever looking for the Zoom links to join us for any of these uh, drawing groups, if you wanted to join James tomorrow morning, uh, you can always find those links in the events area on the Reinventing the Tattoo webpage. That's www.reinventingthetattoo.com. Um, and look for the events calendar and you can find the Zoom links at that location. Uh, once again, thank you very much for joining us today. My name is Jason. You can find me on Instagram at Philly Inc. If you have any questions about painting, drawing, printing, tattooing, whatever, if you just want to say hi um, or, you know, send me one letter at a time as, you know, as far as like a paragraph goes, you can do that too. It's going to be really annoying, but I'll probably open it up and skim through it because I don't really have much of a life. So thank you very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. And I uh, will catch everyone here next time. Take care. Cheers. See ya.